Welcome to First Impressions Podcast. My name is Dee Kelly, and I'm one of the pastors at San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. And I want to welcome you to this podcast, whether it's your first time or you've been following along on all of these podcasts. First Impressions is an attempt to look at the scripture reading from the lectionary that will be in the coming Sunday. And the coming Sunday is June 11th. 2023. And the lectionary reading for that particular morning, the text will be Romans 4, verses 13 to 25. And our desire in this podcast is simply to read through the text and consider some of the first impressions that jump off the page. Then we'll go a little bit more in depth on Sunday morning, and then the following Tuesday try and make some connections in a podcast called Connections to other lectionary readings for that Sunday. So our time together really spans a full week um, from Wednesday to Tuesday of the following week with the Sunday morning service falling right in the middle. So in these um, particular times together, we typically take time to read the passage and to allow that passage to sink into our thoughts and allow us to reflect on what it is that jumps off the page, maybe questions we have or impressions that we have. So first, let me read for us Romans chapter 4, verses 13 to 25. I will be reading out of the New Revised Standard Version. Verse 13 of chapter 4. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there transgression. For this reason, The promise depends on faith, in order that it may rest on grace, so that it may be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said. And this is what was said, so shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old and the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him, 
who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I should make mention before we jump in that often I have somebody joining me um, to be part of this podcast, but I am in uh, Indianapolis in anticipation or as part of the General Assembly for our denominations tradition. And therefore, today it will just be me looking at this. Hopefully you will do it along with me and maybe you can fill in the blank um, for questions like, what do you see when you first hear that passage? Or what jumps off the page when you read this Romans passage? I am guessing that maybe you like me, feel like this is a very thick passage with some very long sentences that make it difficult to follow what the logical argument is for this. It's also difficult in that we jump in into the middle of a chapter. And though it's not always the case, in this particular case, it feels like the middle of the chapter also is kind of the middle of a an argument and we've not heard the setup for the resolution to this argument part of the setup is that earlier in chapter four abraham is declared as having been made righteous before the call to circumcision ever took place for god's chosen people Another part of that argument is that Abraham was made right with God before the law was ever given. And so neither of these two things, adherence to the commands, adherence to the law, are truly markers of God's promise. God's promise is not dependent on either one of them. It's not to say that God's people in the Old Testament were not called to that. They were called to obedience. But God's promise was not dependent upon their adherence to those things is what it seems to be is the setup for what we're looking at in the second half of chapter 4. So once again, I ask, what do you hear or what do you see that raises questions for you? I am taken with the language of promise or covenant In verse 14, it says, If um, it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. I sometimes think of promises made that I've had a difficult time keeping. I think sometimes of the passage of Scripture. How many times am am I to forgive? Seven times? Seventy times seven times? Seventy times seventy times. There is this admonition from Jesus to be people of forgiveness. Sometimes it's tough to forgive somebody who broke a promise. Sometimes it's really tough for me to forgive myself when I've broken a promise. Well, here in this passage, it says that a promise is actually null and void if somebody's able to do it on their own and doesn't need God 
because the promise is dependent upon the person being an adherent to the law, obedient in every way. And even though some people may be obedient to the law in many, many ways, Scripture is very clear. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if we break one part of the law, we've broken the whole law. And so, if the promise is dependent on us obeying the law, then we might as well admit right now that that promise isn't going to come to pass because we don't have any hope of doing that. doesn't mean that it's wrong to obey those commands that help us to be better people or that help us to love others better or that help us to love God better. All of those things are good things. But what jumps off the page to me is that if it's dependent on us doing that perfectly, then God's promise of a future, of a hope, of full redemption, isn't any good because we can't live up to that standard. So what jumps off the page to me is this argument that I, I think this is all dependent upon me, I'm in trouble. My hope is that it's dependent on God's grace and God's power. And I think that that's the argument that Paul is making here in Romans chapter 4. I have another verse that kind of jumps out at me as well. And that's um, verse 17, at the very end of verse 17. Um, it says that this is the God who calls into existence things that do not exist. I feel like this is a beautiful bridge from Psalm 8 of last week, the creation hymn, the creation psalm about the magnificence of God's name and all that God has created. This is the God who creates things out of nothing. And so when I feel like the prospects of my life are at a low point, when I don't see anything possible, this verse becomes very assuring to me that I am dependent on a God who can make something out of nothing. I love that verse. And I love that thought that God doesn't waste anything and everything that might have intended been intended for bad purposes, if surrendered to the God who can create something out of nothing, God can take those things and turn it to our good. That's one of the important first impressions for me out of this passage. I just want to drink that in let it wash over me because sometimes when hope is gone you feel like everything is hopeless but God lives in the midst of those moments 
to create something new. And I feel like that is where this whole passage goes that I want to explore more when we get together on Sunday. But is the whole theme here of death then life? Because even though it's stated pretty strongly in our English translation, I understand that the statement is even stronger about Abraham and Sarah, that Abraham basically was just old. And in being as old as he was, the statement Paul makes is, he's basically dead. It sounds almost cruel the way it's stated, because it feels a bit disrespectful, but he's making a point that Abraham is basically dead and Sarah, basically the same, um, has the inability to produce life and uses the word death to describe her. And it's into this place of death that Paul is saying God's going to bless and produce an inheritance, a progeny of many nations. This is the crescendo of the message that God creates amazing things out of what seems like nothing and maybe in reality is nothing. And that's what jumps off the page to me. So I hope that you might spend a little bit of time in Romans chapter 4 and allow some of these things to come off the page for you. And maybe you'll find something else that catches your attention. Dig a little deeper. Spend a little quiet time reflecting. And let God's word come alive to you. And let it seep into those areas of your life that feels like there's no hope. And recognize that we have been offered grace from God, the God who restores hope. The God who is um, the God of both creation and resurrection. I hope that somehow that's encouraging to you today. And I look forward to those who I might join on Sunday to dig deeper into this passage. I hope you have a great week and may God's peace be with you.